Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT here at twitch.tv slash DNI stream. Welcome to Documentation Not Included. My name is Josie. This is episode version 2.5. Us versus them. Yes, indeed. And once again, we are missing Patrick. Patrick said he was going to be back today, but unfortunately, he doesn't have internet in his new flat. He has moved. He is coming back and... Hopefully it'll be next week. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and hopefully his PC gets sorted as indeed, well. Indeed, oh, shipping. Yeah, whoa, oh yeah, he sent us some pictures and they've, they've not been kind at all. Um, so yes, our guest today is the awesome, awesome, I've been looking forward to this, Dan Howarth. And it is, just for, if, you, if anyone's noticed the uh, second name similarities going on here, we have Josie's husband. Better half. And he, he is a CES admin. I'm going to let him introduce himself. So please do tell everybody what you do, what you're here for, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I'm here under duress. No. Um, so <laughs> oh I'm... my gosh! <laughs> I was made to do this. Um, yeah, I'm Dan Howarth. I have been in the IT industry in primarily CES admin um, roles for too long. Um, 18 years now almost up to the 18 year anniversary. Um, I've worked for hosting companies, telcos, um, managed hosting providers, managed service providers, supporting some larger websites, mostly known to UK people, uh, video on demand platforms, incorporating almost everything from physical servers back in the early 2000s all the way up through virtualization, AWS, Azure. I've done some DevOps. I've stepped in for the odd developer now and again, um, a little bit when things need fixing. And up to today, I am, I've got a lovely title, Site <laughs> Reliability Engineer. Oh, oh, I like that. We love titles on this show. And that's like, DevOps engineer, it's many things to many people. Yeah. Actually, so. I like um, Tool Tepe's description of you. He does server magic and Linux rituals. Nice. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. And also usually, involving, usually involving some runes and some blood. You know? <laughs> runes, blood, and salt. Oh, that's, that's yeah. for the RTFM. We'll get there. But first, we have our icebreaker question before we go into our topic. And I have a fun one, specifically picked for my husband. So, if you could classify yourself as any type of astrological body in space, what would you classify yourself as and why? My husband loves space. Uh, commence the beard rubbing, by the way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we, I automatically went there. Automatically. <laughs> it's like it's drawing, it's drawing it out, isn't it? And, and cool. while you do that, uh, mad uh, props to Envina who points out that salt is the most important internet item ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's not wrong. I'll answer first, since you guys seem to be beard stumped. And those of us without beards seem to be able to clearly get to, to the answer. For me, it would be like a neutron star. I like the way they pulse. I'm addicted to the game Elite Dangerous. So I love their visual representation of them and how you can use them to boost yourself. This is not exactly 100% science, mind you. But I love the idea that there are stars out there that spin so fast that they throw out tails. And they can look like bow ties at the right angle. And they're just really cool. And it's just fascinating to me because they create a lot of light and a lot of energy. And I just find it neat. And I, I may not be one, but I really want to be. I want to be full of light and full of energy and <laughs> spinning around. And maybe if someone wears me, I look like a bow tie. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, this is guests on. I, I have to pass it on to the guests to start off with. Calm down, like, Chris. <laughs> I'd like to say I, me and my kind are more like black holes. No one notices you're there until everything's going really sideways. <laughs> and then you are the most important thing. Yeah. And we swallow up lots of stuff like money. See, I was I was gonna say black hole myself for the at the event horizon. Um mainly because the event horizon is is a, a really interesting concept in space. The 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 point of no return, the point of 
Um, I mean, I'm I'm no scientist. I'm no physicist or whatever. I don't know the the details in and out, but I have done quite a lot of you know accidental wiki learning. You know, when you you click on something and then you you go deeper and deeper and deeper. Years ago, I was um, trying to find a band name for for a band uh, for one of my bands, and I uh, I came up with Black Shift, which was like a play on Red Shift, which was a play on uh, not a play. It was something to do. I, I read to do with something to do with black holes, and I got really deep into it. But yeah, the the idea of a event horizon that can kind of fold in on itself. But I don't know. This is this is far as I'm going to get with it. I'm afraid. <laughs> Celestial well, bodies fascinate me. Space fascinates me. But I'm just not. I'm not that knowledgeable. Knowledgeable about it. I, I I'm surprised no one said Tesla car with Rocket Man in it. Celestial it is an body, yes. it, it is an astrological body now because it is in space. But oh, uh, and Venus says that she would be a black hole as dark as her soul. <laughs> you know, well, it's not why technically not? dark though, is it? That's the thing. That's what's interesting about a black hole is that it's it's nothing. It's not really defined. It doesn't have. Is it is it really? It, in infinitely dense matter or I can't remember what the definition of a black hole is shame I don't remember and I have Stephen Hawking's fantastic book on them mm. on the shelf over there I have it but I don't me. remember it's on my list not, <laughs> none, none of us are astronomers no, astrologers no. or astrologers yeah let me throw astrologers right in there with the oh, science oh. whoopsies mm -hmm. but yeah Right, so yes, on to our topic, us versus them. Now, this is something I have, again, quite a lot of uh, opinions and experience of. Um, but I'd like to know, obviously, Dan's set the topic, so I'd like to know why you're, you're bringing this up. What's it, why is it, is it important to you in your day-to-day -day life? Does it happen to you now? Because it's something that's kind of passed me by. I don't really get this anymore. This yeah, so, so you guys asked me to be on the show, and... Um, Obviously, your stream is more development-oriented um, and developer-oriented. So, me being a knuckle-dragging primate of a sysadmin, um, didn't say it. Didn't say that. <laughs> I, I, I thought I could bring something different to the table for one week, um, and. I have to say, before we get started, this is purely based on my opinions, my experiences over the last 18 years in ITSM, um, in the ITSM industry, in the ops side of things. For those who don't know, ITSM is IT Service Management. Yes. So, um, but I lived very much in that world. And then for a few years, I moved into DevOps type role. So I worked really closely with developers. And then there's always been that contact um, for a number of years. And it's, it's, it's all based around an observation of, I'd like to, I want to say tribes. Clicks. Clicks, yeah. Um, um, sides, teams, um, yeah, jets versus sharks, or whatever, you know. I would kill to see sysadmins and devs perform musicals as they argued in scrums or something. That would be amazing. So, when I came up with what I was the subject matter for this week, um, I I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. I'm turning it into sysadmins and developers. It's something I've seen so many times. I'm, I, I've seen people have a genuine dislike, a, a very deep-seated, almost hate of, well, that's a developer, they're an idiot. Mm -hmm. I have seen I will, this. Yeah, and I've been friends with developers who say, oh, I don't like them, they're just a sysadmin, they're a monkey, they're a reboot monkey, whatever, you know, a hmm. hundred titles. And and it's something I wanted to talk about, about how destructive it can be. What, what just before we go any further though, yeah. what is your opinion of, I know we're going to dig into this, but what's your yeah. opinion of other people on other teams? Do you ever stereotype, do you ever categorise uh, that 
the the, the business analysts as people who who just do this or, or have this particular skill and don't really and and if you do why do you do that um i tend not to these days i take everyone um as they come i i've worked with so many people over the years everyone has their strengths everyone has a role that they need to fulfill they may not do in in my perception particularly well but that's their role to fill mm -hmm. and that's their business whether they do well or not if they don't everyone else just has to clean up after them um, now someone someone in chat just said what i was thinking actually because a lot of the time in my past the them versus us has been between the technical people, no matter who they are, whether they're a graphic designer or a sysadmin or, you know, they're a developer, and the salespeople, especially yeah. in the smaller companies. Oh, the bean to, counters. To, God help me. Now, the, the reason for that divide, in my experience, between techies and, and non-techies or salespeople specifically, is that a lot of the salespeople I've worked with anyway in the past have been, they are, they are just there to sell a product and they oversell or they sell something that that is it tech either technically infeasible or they over promise on what the technical people can do yeah we can do that that website for example that'll take us a week uh, what <laughs> See, absolutely not <laughs> I, I i have in the the things that i've done i've seen similar things like that but i have also seen the sales side approach the developers or the sysadmins or whoever on that entire technical side and go, what can you do? This is what we'd like to offer. And the response is, no, that is not possible with that current platform. This needs to be rethought out. And they were completely ignored. Mm -hmm. So for me, it is a bit of that, um, that us all... be them with the bean counter, or I should say the pocket change holders, because they're so stingy with their budgets. And, and the tech side. But I have actually seen the, the whole concept between the developers of platforms and the people who have to host the platforms. I've seen that kind of, uh, I, I don't I've, say antagonism as well. I've seen it between support and development. I've seen it between uh -huh. management and um, sales. I've seen it in every respect. It's not, as, as Dan said, it's He's oversimplifying it, and we have to. We have to keep some focus on the podcast. But, yeah, it, it happens everywhere. And it's it's entirely, as again, as Dan said, based on individuals. It's based on an individual, maybe, maybe potentially sometimes a poisonous individual that spreads that poison throughout a team, and it becomes culture. Yeah. I think it's a little more than that. And obviously, as we're saying, we're simplifying things. But... To me, the number one time I have seen any kind of antagonism occur within us v them, regardless of whether they're bean counter or tech or sysadmin or a developer or even, you know, Joe Blow and his desk calling tech support to help because he's locked himself out of his PC. It's usually because the goals are at a cross purpose. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, everyone has their role whatever that role may be. Everyone has but, different values and drivers as well. Well, this is true. But if everyone has the same goal, if everyone is working towards the same purpose, it's a lot easier. But if you have two people who whose agendas are completely cross-purpose, so which is why the bean counter for us as developers or even tech people, tech leads, tech architects, it's it's they have to fight those bean counters as well. They'll be like, look... I'm going to sell this because my priority, my goal is making money and looking good. And the tech side or the developers are sitting there going, but you're, you're promising them to go faster than the speed of light, which is not physically possible. Yeah. And then the goals no longer align, do they? And the same thing happens when you have those poor, fantastically wonderful dev people going, hey, we need you guys to, uh, you know, give us a server to work on, please. Can we have it set up tomorrow? Yes? Right? Right? Right. Uh -huh. That's why containerization <laughs> is wonderful. Oh. So <laughs> Sorry. Dan has a great story about containerization and how 
little people know containers, but yeah. I've got too many stories. I, I keep forgetting them. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll be really brief with this, but the... <sighs> I'm trying to find the right words now. So my first job in the IT industry was in a hosting company, um, doing tech support, working shifts. So the us v them was us and sales or us and account managers. There were no developers. We, the company didn't develop anything. Um, after that, I went to the, what I perceived to be a really good example of us v them. So I was, in managed service team, we did support, we built servers, we looked after servers, um, and we were on the second floor of a building. Um, on the first floor were the developers. So not only was there a um, a personality difference with us saying, oh, they're just developers, and developers going, oh, they're just sysadmins, um, there was also a physical separation. There was a physical divide because we were separated on different floors. So while I worked there, I went into DevOps team. So I moved down a floor. And I was sitting in a big room with a bunch of developers. Mm -hmm. And it was really enlightening. I, I learned a lot. Um, I, I learned to appreciate that there's no need for the OSV them because we were there to do a job we were there to work together we you know we had common goals but we were coming at it from different directions we had different paths to get to that end goal um and so that's what changed my perception um after that <laughs> i went into the lion's den I went into a three-person DevOps team in a development house. Okay. So the, the, the only <laughs> sysadmins the only sysadmins were like two or three guys, top floor, who did laptops and stuff, and a couple of servers. But it was all developers. So my clients were developers. Yeah, um, that was um, an interesting time. Now, I've worked with lots of different types of developers and lots of different um, types of development teams as well. I'm very lucky in that most of the time these days I'm usually independent, it's entirely independent, and I just I hand off what I've done to other people after I've finished it. I very, very rarely get involved in uh, in day-to-day -day processes, um, so I don't really have an us versus them anymore. And if I do see that, I usually take it upon myself to try and change someone's opinion or change someone's mind on on why not necessarily pointing out that they're doing this wrong or anything like that trying to figure out what their actual issue is and then trying to come up with some kind of solution whether it's a process driven thing or it's a reporting thing or you know or most of the time it's process driven if there isn't a process in place to provision a new laptop Oh, it's, I think it's one step even further than that, Chris. In, in the situations that I have seen in the fantastic poor stories that I have heard from my poor husband as he has come home and banged his head against a desk going, why? There is the processes that are in place for developers can actually vary greatly from the processes that are put in place for system administrators. Mm -hmm. Even if they follow a relatively similar kind of change log or ITIL platform or anything else like that. Now, when we had Ed Screeniger on the show before, he talked about what it was like trying to handle the processes as a support person. Now, support people tend to have to balance both sort of dev with good documentation, sort of good sysadministrator, they kind of have to be the gatekeepers. Then you had, uh, when we had Gareth on, um, uh, Gazimov for people who knew him, when we were talking about what it's like to try to bring in enterprise development into say game development, there's processes that are in place that can make everyone work towards the same goal. Unfortunately, a lot of what I have seen is that if you are dealing with sys administration, your processes never the twain shall meet with anybody else. And if you are dealing specifically with, say, DevOps or development, it's the same thing. Never the twain shall meet. And it's it's almost like these the departments are siloed 
And that's what creates the us v them. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think the silo side of things necessarily create. I mean, yes, it w it can. It can because the processes are so separated out from each other that, like, like you said before, you're dealing with a group of people who are developing um, a methodology for handling things that becomes a corporate culture. Like maybe they they handle change logs over the water cooler, or, or change requests over a water cooler. God forbid, but it, it can happen. And if you if in Dan's case, he had a chance to step into the shoes of somebody else. He was able to sit near DevOps and learn about what developers do. And that opened his eyes. Very, very, very rarely do you see the sysadmins, the reboot monkeys, the knuckle-dragging monkeys who are just responsible for the servers being up integrate with the developers. That at least where I see the us. I've never had that happen. opinion of sysadmins. I've got to say, I've never had that. They are just they're just reboot monkeys. I've I've never heard I've that term seen before. That term used derogatively against system administrators. I mean, I can I can understand why it may happen, um, mm. but I I personally have always looked at people who work with the hardware and the infrastructure in a company as support, you know, for a development team because they they provision hardware they they give us the infrastructure and the networking and things to 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 allow us to do our job it's when they um i said this is the them they 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 well, it's when they <laughs> pronoun game now whether again this is a process thing or whether this is an individual thing or a laziness thing and this happens on both sides of the fence um when they put up barriers when they put up blockades that stop you from achieving your goal in your workplace so let's say for example i need um i need a new uh, server i worked at one of my very first jobs we had a, a, a engineering team they had they they created servers and then also provisioned these very best bought pieces of hardware that got deployed on the customer sites we wrote the software that went on these servers and then we wrote the best book tasks that went onto these best book pieces of software as well and pieces of hardware as well when we were stopped from doing that because we had a deadline and they hadn't done what they were supposed to have done that was the only time that it became a problem in my eyes that was the only time that it ever um became a them versus us oh they haven't done it again but see, I, I, I throw out a, a sort of similar kind of situation that seems to be one of the more common ones of late, which is dealing with the DevOps side of things. Um, and we'll let Dan speak at some point in time, I promise. It's just <laughs> until then. Um, but anyway, uh, you have the DevOps and it looks like everything should be okay. Okay. We have the DevOps and the DevOps provision a server. Mm -hmm. They need uh, a server to do, I don't know, we'll say a staging environment on or something else like that. And the sysadmins, for lack of a better term, because they're usually network engineers or tech architects, like their they're titles be titles. Yep. They'll turn around and um, they will say, oh, I can't give you what you need right now because you don't have the budget for it. We haven't got or, the budget signed off. We haven't had, yeah. Or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So when I've seen developers sort of have the road break be that, then the concern is how it's addressed. Because I've seen developers turn around and go, they're just trying to stop me from doing the job. When yeah. that's not the case. Because it's literally... I cannot do what you are asking me to do. So the, the, again, this is why I was raising this because it's not always people being lazy. Like the perception is, this is again, it's about perception and it's about communication between the departments or communication from management or from people um, who are passing down the commands into these various departments. You don't have, sorry, the, you can tell the development team, you don't have a budget or sorry, the, the, the IT guys haven't had their budget to um, signed off to provision the server yet because the client hasn't signed it off. We think that there's a go live date in a week, you know, and we haven't been told that there isn't a go. It's a communication problem and a process well, problem. I, I think it's also a miseducation process. You can have a group of developers 
asking for the system admins to give them servers. And when the system admin turns around and goes, sure, we'll provision you 10 servers. Um, they'll be located on this box. Well, why can't we have 10 physical boxes? That's not the way this works. Mm -hmm. It's 10 virtual servers you get provisioned because of how everything's set up with virtualization and yep. the cloud again. So it's it's a, almost like a lack of understanding of the architecture and the unwillingness to hear what the other side is trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Whether they're trying to say, I can't provision you what you're asking for because what you're asking for doesn't actually exist or what you're asking for is way beyond the scope of what is allowed or it's the... Um, we really need to do this and we really need these things to make it happen. Like we need Java running constantly. <laughs> yep. I'm going to give you an exact example of this happening to me very recently um, and how I dealt with it as well and how other developers, namely more junior developers, have dealt with it. Um, okay. Right. We are having a few technical problems, If you have, we, which we're trying not to mention it, but <laughs> I have to move some windows around and throw some people out of the chat room. But anyway. I think we're okay now. Um, so yes, I had a, an issue, uh, a thing that, that came up. I was um, a new developer in a, a, a rather large company. They All the developers had their own physical machines and all of the physical machines were all i7s with 32 gig RAM and they were brilliant for development. You had your own Visual Studio and everything else installed on them, right? There was a decision made when I started that they were gonna move to VMs and so we were the guinea pigs for this. Now, as a developer, working inside a VM is nothing but a headache for multiple reasons. There, 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 there are compatibility issues, there are speed issues, there are latency problems, um, but it gives the company benefit um, in terms of costs, mainly, um, and also being able to provision a new server with all of the, the right hardware and all of the signed off, uh, sorry, all of the right resources and all of the signed off um, software very, very, very quickly. Now, I understand that. And the way that I dealt with it was, right, I, I, I will use this when I need to, but luckily I'm at home so I can use my own development machine for other, for new pieces of software, but source code is on their network. I can't get it off security policies, etc., And so I have to deal with it. There's not really much I can do about that. Junior developers would be essentially very, very angry about that. And they will raise issues with management over and over and over again. And they will get nowhere because it's already, there's a decision that's already been made. It doesn't matter what you do and what you say. Unfortunately, you have to deal with it. Now, that's policy again. It um, goes back to the politics of things and it goes back to the whole concept of policy. I think there, there are a couple of things that cause the SV then and see if you agree, Dan. Mm -hmm. Tech issues and all that stuff that goes with you. Hopefully you got, you got the gist of what we've been saying. He probably <laughs> heard me yeah. from downstairs. But um, the very first thing is having goals cross a line. The second thing is lack of communication. I think the third thing is a lack of understanding. And, you know, if you go after a developer because they're requesting something that they feel is a necessity and you go at them with the intent of, it's just them being developers again, you're part of the problem of the solution. If you're a developer and you're like, oh, they're just causing me more issues and I won't be able to run that Git, you know, sort of thing or, you know, I don't have not the ideal do environment. That I, I don't have, yeah, you don't have all the things that you necessarily want. That's another thing. It, it, it's more times than not, there is a huge, IT is a big word. Uh, anyone who says they work in IT, please take a moment and ask them what part. It's like someone saying, I'm a doctor. Great, you're a doctor of what? Medicine, literature, romance novels from the 1500s? Like, what is your doctorate in? It's that kind of in-depth thing. It is a mighty big umbrella, and, there are so, and especially with all of our horrible terms for jobs, but there is an awful lot in there. And if you take a moment and you just go, okay... You're saying no to me 
why? What is the real reason? And I'm saying I need this. Can you help me get at least what my goal towards is? Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard a developer ask for something and a system administrator turn around and go, yes, we can do that, but not the way you think. It's done a different way now. Or vice versa. So. You see, I think part of the biggest problem with the us v them mentality, whether it's sysadmins and developers or support and sales or whatever, wherever there's a us and them, we're great, they're rubbish kind of attitude. Um, a lot of the time, it's not anyone going after anyone else. It's not people having arguments. It's quite the opposite. It's people not communicating, not saying, here's why we can't do this because of reason A, B, and C, but here's what we can do for you, yeah. X, Y, Z. And that is, that's part of it. The other facet to it, in my experience, is when someone new joins a, a, a given team, they're doing the training, they're doing the onboarding, there's going to be a mention of, oh, these guys, this team, this person, they're an idiot, they're rubbish. Don't do this with them. Don't do it the way it's meant to be done. Don't do the way the process or whatever decisions have been made dictates. Do it this other way. Well, that's going to go contrary to what they're meant to do and how they're meant to interact with, with those other people. And it's it's a lack of communication. It's a lack of understanding if you don't sit down and say, here's why I disagree with you, if you just don't say anything and then you crack on and do what you're going to do, what you want to do anyway, all it does is breed apathy and contempt and, and a dislike from someone else. Whereas what I've found, especially in the last six months, I've been where the, the company I work for um, for just over six months now, Nine times out of ten, if you can sit down with someone on a Teams call, Skype call, just picking up the phone and talking to them, it, it, it goes most of the way to being able, you know, you justify why you're saying, no, I can't do this, or yes, I'm going to do it, but it's not going to be how you expect. Um, because in the end, the person on the end of the phone, the person on the other end of the email or chat message or whatever, they are a human being with their goals, their targets, and all they want to do. They're, they're like everyone else. They want to get to the end of the day. They want to go home and watch EastEnders or eat a pizza or whatever, you know, and, and then get paid at the end of the month. Yeah. We're all trying to do the same thing. And, you know, that they're human beings yeah. with, with hobbies outside. That it, is worth, it is worth saying that there are people who are out there and they're out there to be just awkward it does happen there is a there is a my wife's got a saying if you can imagine the person they exist somewhere in the yeah. world um my wife used to work for a very large organization as a um change manager and her manager was the the biggest nightmare she everything was everything was just put out to be awkward there was it there was lots of process involved but there was it was ridiculous how far this this person would go to make her life a misery, and not her life, but everybody else's life as well, because she was unhappy in her in herself. But it comes back to this word that we love on this show, Sonda. It comes back to this realizing that everyone else exists, and everyone else has their own their own values, their own their own focus, their own life that's as complicated as yours. Since just being able to have a word for that understanding has helped me understand people a bit better and understand that I don't I have no idea what's going on in, in your lives at the moment I've got absolutely no idea and I'll never know even if you told me my life is always going to be more important to me and your life is going to be always more important to you and the same applies to everybody and as long as you can understand have this empathy with other people that even if they are being an arsehole that day, there's probably a very good reason for it, you know? They probably need some help, some support, rather than you being 
awkward back or being obstructive or or not helping them you know yeah a, a lot of the time one of the biggest and the more difficult skills to learn is compromise yes. instead of just going this is what i want that's the only thing i'm going to accept and nothing less if two people have that attitude directed at each other nothing's going to get done no one's going to achieve anything and all it's going to breed is people going home miserable yeah and butting of heads constant butting of heads it, it, it just doesn't serve anyone any good it doesn't do anyone any good you know we we've made mention of this before in the past about being a developer but leave your ego at the bloody door you know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with coming in and going, I think this is the way to do it. And then someone turns around and goes, yeah, but have you considered this? Oh, okay, gotcha. I'm still learning. Too many people, have they have that sort of fixed mentality of this is the exact thing I need, regardless of whether it's whatever, us or them. And they have this thing so fixed in their mind that they are completely and utterly stubborn about it. And nine times out of 10, it's because they can't be wrong. And it's because of their ego getting in the way. Oh, at it's, no it's point an insecurity. In time, oh, that, yeah, there, at no point in time in this IT world, and this is something I ranted about last week, there is no such thing as utopia. Screw those bloody questions of what's your utopian developer environment? What's your utopian system environment? Like, Screw that. There is no such thing. And the reason why is because for every single project you take on, regardless of what your role is in IT, the parameters are going to change enough that almost any kind of new fangled thing or old fangled thing or combination of it could become the utopian environment for you, but not necessarily the person sitting next to you also doing the job that you're doing as well. There's yeah. one, I'm not sure who said it, but there's that famous quote, there's only one constant in life, and that's change. And yes. the same applies to, to, to work. You know, work is life. Life is compromise. Work is compromise. Work is change. Constant change. And IT is probably the best example of change because we are still growing as an industry. We can never have everything. What was perfect 10 years ago, or even a year ago, what was perfect Six for my development? Yeah, yesterday. You know, it's ridiculous how quickly. Two hours ago, yeah. they just put out another release. <laughs> they just pushed the repo. <laughs> I've spent I've spent the last two weeks learning an entirely new tech landscape in the IT world that I'd never even brushed upon before, and it's it's fascinating to me. But it requires a hell of a lot of change in terms of how I need to work. You know. And it's it's constant thing in, in IT. It's it's a it's a I use the phrase the more things change the more they stay the same, because that is exactly what it is. It, we're, that to me sums up IT. It sums up security in IT. It sums up development in IT. It sums up hardware in IT. It, it sums up everything. Now, Tultepe, our fantastic individual from the Norways, you must come on to the show at some time. I really want to talk to you about PLCs. But anyway, says, I'm very stubborn when it comes to my dev work. But then again, I will change my mind instantly if someone throws a better idea or concept, et cetera, at you. That's, that's, a, that's a bit of an oxymoron. You can't be stubborn but change your mind when someone gives you a better idea. <laughs> no, no, but, but this is the thing. I, I, I have to disagree with you, Chris, because I think someone can be stubborn and and very dogged at what they believe but as long as they're open to to having their mind changed to looking at it differently and that's where the communication comes into it if if, if you communicate with other people you can get your ideas out there and then come to some compromise yeah well Tultefe continues they need to prove to me that they're right you see, that's that's great, but the the part of the proving part is usually a, can be a drawn out process. It can take a while to to get to a point where, and usually it's not they're right and I'm wrong, or you're wrong and I'm right. It's usually this compromise in the middle. As we keep that's that's the word of the day, isn't it? Compromise. Yeah. Compromise. And 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 you know, it, it goes to the old analogy of cats. There isn't just one way to skin a cat, although. <laughs> People might not like that. that I'm, kind of I'm not actually thing. sure what that means. As a the, well, the, 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 there's more than one way to skin a cat. It, it, it's an old saying from like, I don't know, 19th century. I've heard it. I just never really understood. 
Yeah, it, it, it just means there's more than one way to do something. Hmm. Yeah. I know what it meant. I just meant I don't know the actual what the original analogy, analogy I, the I etymology. Don't, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 no, no, we are not going to even go into the etymology <laughs> of such a concept yeah, on the show. Not. I will cry. We don't it's, want it, that. No, it's one of those things I say without thinking. So, oh nah, it's all good. It's I, I get the idea though. I mean, it, it, it's. <laughs> I mean, and that's, again, that's, that's, that. that's true in development. There is a hundred ways for me to do the same thing. Just look at the just look at the web development frameworks in the world, for God's sake. Oh, just look Jesus. at the JavaScript for, for development, and that's just one type of web development. And, and, and look, at how, oh. look at how people set up their own personal development platforms. Mm -hmm. You know, your own local machine or your own local setup for how you go through everything from local tests to stage and like there's so many ways to do things that it is insane which is why i stress leave your ego at the bloody door because if you put those blinders up to someone from a different department who is trying to help you you are going to miss out on potentially the next greatest thing where you could go back and get some education and make more money. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, that, that tends to happen in our industry. Something and, new, big, and shiny shows up and you can make more and, money. And that's the thing, being <laughs> open to new ideas isn't just new ideas. It's no. le learning new stuff and having new experiences and being able to, learning how to eat orbit subconsciously sometimes, learning how to look at things in a different way. Approaching okay. things differently. So, so before we move on to our RTFM, because we're nearly at the end of the show, can you believe it? It's it's oh, yeah. went very quickly today. Um, before we move on to our fun. RTFM, to a junior in in IT, not not a specific developer or a DevOps guy or or a sysadmin, a junior, somebody who doesn't have the experience that us three do, because this, you've got to admit that this does come with experience of learning and being with lots of different people and spending time with lots of different types of teams and types of people. As you said yourself, Dan, you went into a DevOps role, you worked with developers closely, and then you suddenly, not suddenly maybe, but that was the penny that dropped and you realized that they're doing it this way because, or they're being this way because they have to, they have these pressures and these constraints and these requirements and they work in this way however whatever it was what's the one piece of advice that you would give to a a new person in the industry to one try and, piece of advice to try and get them to understand why their way of thinking in this instance there because it's usually the younger people that think in yeah. a, a more obstructive way anyway yeah to get and, them and to over that and I've been there, you know, I've been a shift leader and had new people coming into shift. Some people have never been in the industry before. If it was anything I, I was going, I would tell them or try to teach them or get them believing is listen to everything. and only behave some of it. Okay. My okay. advice... You did oh, say no. one thing. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's true. my advice would be take a moment and listen to our indispensable dis developer show. Because mm. there is a, a lot of information in there that actually covers working with other people and starting out. You know, it's, it's a matter of understanding that Kruger-Dunning, Dunning-Kruger effect, it's a matter of understanding where you fit on that bell curve and trying to hopefully never get to that point where you feel you know everything. And it because the moment you do, you know nothing. I mean, you can, be, you can become an expert in a particular field, but you'll never be an expert in all of the fields, you know, yeah. ever. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of polymath you are. You know, you, you it's not possible. What you, would you tell Chris? So Josie touched on something when she was talking about the development environment setup. And that made me realise my setup is perfect for me. What I do, and it changes quite often, and it depends on who I work with, and sometimes I'll speak to somebody and they'll show me a new tool and I'll be like, oh my god, that solves a problem. <laughs> I'll use it. Enterprise Architect by Sparks is one particular tool that I learned 
five or so years ago. Uh, and it's a design tool. All it, it helps you create component diagrams and UML graphs and all kinds of stuff. It's brilliant. And it, it's a very, very powerful tool. But anyway, digress a little bit. The point I was trying to make is that if you think about how your environment is set up, it is, a, it is component parts of all of your experiences across your career so far. Mm. What is to say that because you prefer to use Jira as a, um, as a bug management tool or, or whatever it is, I can't, it is, it, it's a tracking tool, isn't it? Issue Jira? tracking, yes. Yeah, issue tracking. So because you, just because you prefer Jira, there's nothing to say that the 700 other tracking management tools that are out there uh, worse than yours that and that affects that's my advice look at look at what you do and where it's come from where that experience has come from and and try and think about other people think about why you've come to that conclusion that it's this is visual studios the best IDE in the world it's not I've, you know i use different IDEs now i've got more experience because for different purposes and there's 600 of each IDE that I, I use that I could with use. Notepad. Just saying. It doesn't matter. That's it. I use Notepad for some things. You know, it, it's I not. Use notepad. I use the, notepad plus it's one. not the specifics that, that matter. Yeah. It's how you interact with other people and how you actually yeah. get that get to the point where you've decided that this is your best workflow. And it's only your best workflow because you know how to use those tools. That's your answer. Yes. Yep. You, you've, and, you, and in the end, it's your best workflow right now it's going to change mm -hmm. it never stops changing which goes goes back to to what you said chris yeah it's it's always changing change is the only constant the more it changes the more it stays the same though that's i i will stress that it's a thing and to, to be fair that's a whole other i'll, I'll have to come back on to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um well uh, Tool Tepe uh, goes back to what we were talking about with him and his uh, stubbornness. He says, hmm, as long as it's based on some unreasonable string of logic, I very often get the, we cannot use this or that or do it this way because reasons. I'm very stubborn up until the point I get something thought through. The more you know, the more you realize how little you actually know. Yeah. But yes. there's also an edge a point when you don't you get something that hasn't been thought through where there's an education point especially if it's a junior again that you mm. you can mentor them or maybe teach them a little bit and and not necessarily teach them your way but teach them you know that's the thing it, it's when you if you're a senior or you're someone who is training somebody in regardless of what they are there is one skill that you can teach that is cross platform cross everything and that is critical thinking and one of the number one parts of critical thinking is research and understanding options. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a place where I was trained growing up and they didn't teach the critical thinking. It was just, this is how it is. And I would go, I'd like to ask a question about why it is you do this so that I, one, understand. And I got shot down. Mm -hmm. It's like, no. I, I, have... I want to tell juniors question everything that is taught to you but do it in the manner of the perspective of critical thinking not the well i just read this white paper written by these students from purdue university screw that critically think your way through it say if someone says we're going to be using this as part of our uh our bdm in b and throw it whatever freaking acronyms that is my brain can't remember it right now oh my if they're Lord, gonna use acronyms. that you can sit there and you can say okay so we're using this and you can ask why and someone may tell you but if they don't research it for yourself and find out what other options there are and maybe you can figure out why it was selected i have here oh no you right. have something no no i'm not going to show you it because it's nda covered um, but i'm going to tell you i have um 25 pages of a moleskin notebook here full of acronyms from the new industry that i'm working in not just in industry internal acronyms um, and all of them already exist in the IT world for other things, you know. Welcome. I basically, yeah, I've basically spent the last two weeks asking questions, and I've only spent the last two days, maybe three days, doing the work that I've been assigned to do. And this is just one of many things I've got to do. But that is it. I I know that until I, I can't actually deliver on what someone wants me to do until one they're clear on what they want. 
Mm-hmm. And two, I'm clear on what they want and how their existing systems sit together. And this is why seniors become seniors. And this is why people who want to be developers become solution architects and technical architects because they get to a point where they can actually ask the right questions and they can yeah. form the right solutions for whatever situation. And if you happen to be in one of those higher up wonderful positions and someone who is just starting out asks you a question, answer it. Don't hoard that knowledge. Hoarding knowledge is actually detrimental to your job. I love it when people offload onto me because I mean, I make as many notes as I can. The more information I can get, the better, but I love it when that happens. Giggity, it, yeah. can I get that put into a gift, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well said, Chris. I am so, so happy. But yes, it's <sighs> RTFM time, which is our part of the show where we get to rant and rave about something very, very specific that has occurred or not occurred. Chris, I'm going to actually let you go first. All right, speaking of tolerance and understanding and uh, understanding why people do things in a certain way and that my way is not wrong, never, ever check binaries into a repository for any circumstances ever under any no no just no especially not 50 gigs of binaries <laughs> now right i can understand right if you've got a third if you've got um that, i'm talking about binaries that are package managed as well i'm talking about binaries that are managed by things like nuget and npm and bower and all of the web tools that i use on a daily basis they are there the, the tools are there to restore things and, and oh i just can't i just can't understand it i just can't get my head around it there's no i mean there's one business reason i can think of for this it takes a little bit less time to compile um the the build you know because you don't have to download the binaries every time you you kick a build off or something laziness but i mean especially when i've been told that the build process for this particular piece of software is two and a half hours to build one piece of software but it's it's massive you know it's a huge global scale app this yeah and there's a whole devops process that kicks off and builds um entire azure resource groups and stuff but there's data in the database there are mdf files in the in the in the repository there are bulk copy files in there now the only time i ever have a sql statement saved into my um repository is when it's it's lookup data and even then there's other ways to mitigate that but 50 gigabytes and i'm not talking about the history here i'm talking about 50 gigabytes of binaries enough wow (laughs) again deep breath let it out Dan ladies first Chris is already gone so (laughs) hey he's got the epic beard Beard I'm the jealous one um in my particular case um my RTFM is pretty simple. If you are a web host, do not hold people's websites for ransom just so that you can make an extra buck. Now, Fuck off. You have no reason not to name and shame this web host, in my opinion. Unless you think it, there's a... I, I, will, I will happily do this again. I... I I cannot even begin to explain how pissed off I am at GoDaddy. Now, I get it. I understand that they have a great marketing team and that for a lot of people, GoDaddy works wonders for them. Fine. 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 But if you use GoDaddy, please get in touch with me. Let me work with you. Let me save you. <laughs> I will throw salt out. We'll say Hail Marys. We'll, we'll dance the Harry Carey. We'll do whatever it takes to cleanse you of said demon. I feel so strongly about this. Poor client of mine didn't get a notification that their managed platform was uh, needed to be paid for. Again, they're on a recurrence thing. And they didn't get a notification that the recurrence didn't occur. And it only became a noticeable thing when I get an alert that says they're gone, the site's down. I'm like, huh, I wonder what's happening. So let's start up the process because, you know, this is a P1 kind of incident. And I started the process and I went, okay, right. DNS is responding. I've had no problems with MX records. You know, emails are working fine. So it's not the domain. Now let's dig in to see what's going on. The entire site was missing out of their managed WordPress system in GoDaddy. 
And I looked at it and I'm like, what? Why? And in a conversation with the support engineer, they explained, oh, well, there was a grace period, a 20 day grace period, both because there was no payment for this particular renewal. And none of, not, no one had gotten a renewal notice or a not getting renewed notice or anything else can, like that. Can I ask, do they have your number or the client's number, phone number on file? They have the clients. So they needed paying money, whatever the amount of money was, it doesn't matter. They needed paying money. They had a 20 day period where after the, it was due, yeah? And then they didn't have a sales team to contact you or, or anything like that on top of nope. an email that should have went out but didn't go out that could nope. have that could have been caught by a junk mail filter or it could have just not went out at all. Nope, at all. And the thing that gets me is you know, I spoke with the support engineer who said, hey, you know, we can restore everything. I'm like, great. They said, we can even get the, you know, 50% off for this. And I'm like, great. However, it'll cost $150 for us to restore the site files. To click a button in the, U that, the user interface. That to me is ransoming somebody's site. That, that to me is old mafia, you know, tech, type kind of methodology and mentality it's it i i'm like what are you serious now granted um you know i'm very pleased to know and learn that my client is ready to go away from the godaddy platform i've been trying to work with them to get away for a while but i'm absolutely gobsmacked 150 dollars to restore the files and i'm sitting here going I don't trust your backup system. I've got my own backups. I don't need you to I'm, restore the I'm files. I'm sure I saw uh, an advert for GoDaddy on the television that said that you have a personal manager or personal... Uh, you might here in the UK, person. but this ah. is not a UK GoDaddy thing. Okay, right. I, I'm willing to admit that it might be a separation of countries or what have you, but I'm sorry. What? No! just uh the entire situation irritates me especially considering the particular clients i'm working for are charities these people struggle to keep themselves afloat while doing whatever charity work they're doing and to me it, it feels it literally feels like strong arm tactics like you know a, a dead person can't pay their bill but we'll just break your leg a little bit and then you can pay us for the hospital bills for breaking your leg it feels so dirty to me and it makes so it, dirty it makes people have that experience it makes them feel like they all behave like that and that's normal which gives everyone a bad name or, or that's the thing you know bless bless the cotton socks off my client my client goes we're being punished for this oh no 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 it's not meant to be punitive it's meant because we have to set up the tickets and start the process and then go find your files and your database thing and restore it and i i sat there afterwards and i went bullshit they're running a fucking script hmm. i i mean if, it, I, if, it's a, if it's I, it, it makes the person the customer feel like shit first off and second off if they had no backups anywhere else if they didn't have someone like me who is almost a stickler bitch about backups and testing and all that other stuff they would have lost everything and had to pay that yeah, money they would have had no other choice back that is blackmail. That not black, but that is brands. Bearing in mind that a lot of people who use GoDaddy, I mean, I probably the vast majority of people that would use a, a, a hosting company like GoDaddy, won't be very technical. You know, they'll be no. setting it, and some or they, they might have a, a web company that don't want the responsibility of doing all the backups, so they use GoDaddy to do all of that, and they just say, right, well, that's the only way we can get this back. We've got no technical know-how. We've got no backups. We've no, we've no yeah. idea. Pay one hundred and fifty quid and get it sorted. The thing is, I'm, I'm sure there's something in the terms and conditions that explains exactly what happened because that's they wouldn't be able to do something like this without that kind of stuff being written into gold and you of sign course. it when you pay. It just it feels dirty to me, and I am I, because of the issues that I have had to mention about the things that I've dealt with with GoDaddy on this show. <laughs> listen to our previous RTFMs. 
I am like this close to starting up a web company known as Free Yourself from GoDaddy. But that already contact is. me. Well, the thing is, you can't do something like that because you know at that point in time, there's a whole bunch of li like legal issues, etc. Yeah, yeah. But if you know somebody who's using GoDaddy, just get them in touch with me. I can point them at better places. They don't even have to use me. I am happy to recommend. There are so many better hosting environments. Cheaper, better, secure. Who won't sit there and tell you don't update for security reasons? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Getting, getting into slander material now. <laughs> Dan, have you got an RTFM? Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a quick one. So I'm sorry, Dan. I, I have completely destroyed your ability to talk this don't, show. Don't worry. That is not an echo on the stream. Whatever you do, for the love of all that is holy, do not store ISO images or disk images in repositories. Just, just don't. It's binary. It's the same thing as I said. Basically, it's it should not be there. Somebody, oh, oh, actually, when I, I, oh. I whinged about this, by the way, the repository binary thing, um, sim oh. similar, similar thing, I'm um, in our chat channel, and somebody, I think it was Nexus, possibly, yes, came back and said, store containers in there instead, and uh, container configuration, yes, absolutely. I just well, want to be yeah. very clear. A container is a binary, and it should not be stored whatsoever. The whole point of creating a container is that a container is an instance of a configuration, and if there's any persistence in that container, you've designed the container incorrectly, and it should be separate, and it should be backed up with a backup process normally. Now, obviously, if you've got Kubernetes or you've got a container management system, it's slightly different. You can be a little bit more relaxed with that, but yes, so... But yes, it, it echoed yours. I, I've seen in the last few weeks someone storing as many Linux images as they can because they want their own repository of them. And yeah, GitLab isn't the place to do that. No. Git, okay. A, a Git. code repository, let's say, because there are container repositories that exist for yeah. containers, mm -hmm. and there are ISO, not ISO, whatever they're called as uh, Linux registries and things like that, you can yeah. store container ISOs in. That's fine, but not yeah. in a code repository. If, yeah. you, if you really need, um, if you, if the game dev industry, very, very heavy on binary, uh, binaries and assets, very, very heavy, and they need to be source controlled, so they use yeah. a very sp specific type of repository to do that such as Perforce or something like that, then that's acceptable, but it's separate to your code yeah. base or it's in a management system that can call yeah, yeah. both. Anyway. <laughs> and <Wissa? relax. laughs> right. So we're now at the end of our show. Yes. And I want to give a massive thank you to absolutely everybody who showed up in our chat. Hello, Andy F. I'm watching you at some point in time. Andy F, you need to come on the show so we can talk things. I'm on to you, Andy F. Andy F, Andy F. I'm going to say your name one more time, Andy F. If I can do it, Andy F, so can you. Yeah. Yeah. Dweeb. Uh, then there's uh, Envina. It's what you say to your fellow devs. We're evil to each other. Um, but also, thank you to Envina. Thank you so much to Tulipe. Tulip. I'm just going to call you Tulip from now on. Tultepe. It's Tultepe. Tultepe. But I'm just going to call him Tulip just because. And I, I, I absolutely don't. But we need to get him on so we can talk about PLC programming and how repositories don't always make the best use of, or how it's very difficult to do repositories with PLCs and certain applications and programmings due to proprietary code setups and IDs and all kinds of other things. All right. Yes. Massive thank you to all of you guys. And thank you to everybody for joining in. And for you who are listening to us in the future or watching us in the future, we hope to see you live. And uh, Dan, this is your moment to, if you've got any projects or you want to mention the companies you work for, feel free. If you don't, don't. Um, I, I prefer to keep it vague and, and not advertise who I work for because mm -hmm. um, it can be somewhat sensitive. Um, mm. So you won't find me streaming on Twitch. You won't find me streaming on YouTube. I post the occasional private video on YouTube, uh, on listed videos. So you won't find me anywhere. Okay. 
Okay, I, I'm going to actually. You'll find me here on DNI stream. <laughs> I'm going to actually take something and I'm going to throw it in his face. Do you know what you could be pimping right now, which you so aren't? What? I am now, for those of you who are listening to us in the future, showing a particular icon on the sleeve of my jacket is that, that is known as a glyph. Mm -hmm. It's an ingress thing. Right, okay. Go play ingress, choose blue. I'm still not, I've still not played the ingress. I don't even know really what it... I, I, Pokemon Go is all I'm... It's kind of like that. Yep. Probably better in your eyes. It, it, it's Pokemon Go for teams. And also, as uh, Envina just said, you should be bragging about having a great wife. <laughs> so, yes. I'm the one who finds myself blessed. I feel so lucky to have this man as a husband. Oh, there's enough of that. Get a room. Get a room. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yes, come on. Visit our website, www.dnistream.live. I launched something new this week. Uh, we have a uh, order by drop down on our show list page, and the, <laughs> it is going to get a little bit better as well. It's a bit shonky at the moment, but we're getting there. And yeah, you can find links to our issues. Uh, yes, and we've also had a few, yeah, a few issues raised this week by other people. There are actually conversations going on in our GitHub issues list, and I'm very excited. I can't wait to respond to them and fix bugs. And first time in my life, I've actually wanted to fix a bug. So thank you for that, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you can find uh, Twitch, um, uh, our Twitch, Discord, Twitter, uh, and YouTube channels on our website as well. And uh, you can contact us on there if you want to become a guest or you've got any topics that you think we need to discuss. Um, I actually have a topic, and I'd like to put it out there to people who are listening. If you know anybody who is an IoT or edge computing expert, expert uh, or fog computing expert, I want to speak to them because I'm currently very, very focused on that in, the, in something I'm working on and I'm learning a lot about it and I'm, I'm fascinated by it all. So I want to get geeky with somebody. So please get in touch. Wow. Uh, speaking of our website, though, our code is available at github.com slash documentation not included. I went in and I was like, maybe I should change that to DNI stream because that seems to be our like moniker now is DNI stream. And um, we may have to just sort of slightly reset it up or something. I don't know because you can't quite rename. I don't think you can the... rename them, no. No, you can't. But that's okay. But anyway, if you have ideas, create your tickets. And we hope to see you guys Thursday at 7 p.m. GMT next week uh we'll have a topic that'll be revealed soon the week after that we're going to be joined by the absolutely amazing lead dev sam from vmware to be discussing code reviews Yay. and what they are how to do them how to not do them how to make someone's life uh, you know hopefully not end because you have done a code review get over the fear of code reviews is pretty much what it'll probably end up being about but it's goodbye from all of us so goodbye from chris goodbye goodbye from my better half dan goodbye and goodbye from me josie see you next week everyone